Welcome to Symmetry Between Takes, a platform for humans to explore the hearts and minds of individuals all over the world through conversation. Symmetry. Symmetry is free. Symmetry is equal. Symmetry is balanced. Connection. Connection through speech. Speak to create balance. Symmetry is you and me. Turns out all you need to do in order to transform your living room into a creative space is just get rid of your TV. And the only thing that remains is like my couch, which is ridiculously uncomfortable, and my instruments and my exercise equipment. The walls in my apartment are still pretty blank. And mainly because I didn't want to fill them up just for the sake of filling them up sake. So I told myself I was going to only hang up original artwork from people in my life. I have one for my girlfriend on the wall. I have a painting that my sister did. A couple of pieces from my niece. Right above my window I have this skull that my friend Caleb recently refurbished and sanded down and bleached and decorated for me. It's a deer skull. It's pretty, it's pretty dope. It's got these beads on it. He carved all these cool designs into the skull, and there's some feathers hanging from it. So that brings my skull collection up to four, not including the one that's inside my head. I use these encyclopedias that I got from my grandpa as like little platforms to display them. These encyclopedias are from like 1896. It's kind of crazy. The first skull I ever got from my collection was a muskrat skull. And it holds a lot of significance. When I first moved to Minneapolis, I knew that I needed to get a new vehicle. And I wanted something that did good in the wintertime and was pretty good on gas, something sporty. So I landed on the Toyota Tacoma. I used to have one when I was in high school and I had a lot of good memories with it. So I was like, 1998 Toyota Tacoma, that's what I'm going to get. And I saw one for sale on Facebook Marketplace, like 30 miles south of the city. And I went out and took a look at it. And as I pulled up, I kind of knew that I was going to buy it. Like it was like a great color and, you know, it had a little bit of rust on the outside, but it kind of gave it character. In my mind, I had it figured out that I was just going to put some work into this vehicle and make it mine and have it be a little bit of a fixer-upper. So it was kind of an emotional purchase, I guess you could say. And I walked up and the guy comes walking out from the back and he was hanging out in like the shed or garage area of this house. I didn't know if he lived back there or maybe it was just like his kick-it spot. You know, we talked for a little bit and he tosses me the keys and I took it for a test drive and As soon as I sat in that seat, I was just like, yeah, this is exactly what I want. All the flaws it had, like, just made it more endearing to me. I didn't really know what it took to look for a vehicle. I didn't know what I should, I guess I didn't know what red flags were. So I kind of just honked the horn a couple times and made sure the gas worked and the brakes worked and the blinkers. And I was pretty sold on it. So after driving it around the block, I came back to his house and kind of took on the role as someone who could negotiate price. And I had to ask him, I was like, is there anything wrong with this? Like, why are you selling it? And he's like, honestly, man, I just need the money. 
And I like looked down at his shoes and his shoes had all like these holes in them. And it kind of looked like he needed the money. So I was like, okay, well, maybe this could be a situation where I could really help this guy. You know, he can help me, I can help him. I felt good about it. Over the next couple days, like, I was on cloud nine. I was taking pictures with it. I was running errands in it. And I pulled out of the Target parking lot, and all of a sudden I started to hear, like, this rattle. And then the rattle kind of turned into, like, a clunking noise. And then the clunking noise sounded like something, like, completely broke. And I pulled over and I looked under the truck and I could see like this metal part hanging out. And basically one of the shocks that holds up the back tire like completely busted off of the rusted frame. And that's when I realized how rusty this vehicle actually was. I saw rust on the outside when I first bought it, but I just, I didn't really understand what rust was. I didn't understand that it was like a disease that destroyed things and ate them over time. I thought it was just like a little bit of like, I thought it was like a feature, not a bug. So I figured it only had been like a couple of days, so I was just going to call this guy back and like tell him what happened. I don't want to use his name, so for this story, we'll call him Clunk. So I tried to call Clunk, and he didn't answer, so then I messaged him on Facebook and said like, hey man, like there's a situation going on in the back with like the shock, like it like rusted off. Did you know anything about that? So he responds and says, Oh, yeah, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Drove fine when I had it. And then I sent him a picture and was like, this is what I'm talking about. Like, did you have any inclination that maybe at some point, like, hey, just so you know, the truck might break in half in a couple of days? No response. I text him one more time. He blocks me. And I just felt so cheated. I felt so bummed out and honestly just really hurt. And I didn't really know what the next move was. So I figured until I come up with a plan of like how I'm going to fix this thing or if it's fixable, I have to make peace with the fact that this dude wronged me. So I had to find some way to deal with the fact that Clunk screwed me over. So that's why I bought the muskrat skull. Because I figured in my mind, like, the muskrat is like the most maniacal, manipulative, bottom-feeding, lowest of the low creature that would have the mentality to, like, do something like that. I'm going to buy this muskrat. And every time I look at it, I'm going to think of Clunk. And I'm going to remind myself that I know that I've been wronged in this way. And I know that Clunk may have done something like that to me, but I'll never do something like that to someone in the future. It was like a reminder for me to treat people well. When you grow up in a creative family, it kind of makes life pretty interesting. During Christmas time, we have this tradition where we draw names out of a hat, and everybody draws two names. The first name, you have to purchase a gift for that person. We have a big family, so it allows you to spend more money on that specific person whose name you draw. And then the second gift is a homemade gift. You have to make it from scratch, with your hands, from home, homemade. And it challenges people to be really creative and use their gifts and their talents to show this person how much they care about them. So although everybody's very, very creative, there's one person who kind of just surpasses the expectations every single year, and that's my brother-in-law, Pete. 
Now, Pete is, is pretty much the most impressive human I've ever met in my entire life. Like, like to give you an example, like say it's Christmas time and we're presenting homemade gifts. I might present like a jewelry box that I sanded down and painted for my mom and like put her name on it. Now it's Pete's turn and he's like, oh, hey, look, I whittled you a king size wooden bed frame out of an oak tree that I chopped down behind our house. And it's just like that's the level of creativity and workmanship that like I'm talking about. This guy built his own home. He has been an auto mechanic for like 25 years. He can fix anything, build anything. He taught himself how to play the bass. Um, father of three who works full time, who somehow found the time to go back to school and get his pilot's license to like fly those like crop dusting planes or I don't know if they're called crop dusting planes, but like those little tiny planes. Like when I grow up, I want to be like Pete. So of course he was going to be the person that I called. Not only does he have an expertise in fixing vehicles, he also can fix anything. So I sent him a picture of what was going on with my frame, and the first thing that he responds and says is, uh, buy a new truck? <laughs> no, he's like, nah, like, bring it over to the house, I'll take a look at it, maybe we could figure something out. So I brought it over, and he started, like, measuring stuff and tracing out little pieces of paper to, like, fit them onto other pieces of metal, and he had everything written down with, like, dimensions, and I was like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm just going to sit back and just maybe grab him some water if he needs it. As he was explaining it, I had no idea what he was talking about. So all I could do was just kind of sit there and watch, and I was just amazed at the amount of, like, thought that was put into it and the fact that he didn't let any roadblocks get in his way and all these other people that had told me that this was going to be completely unfixable, like he never even considered that to be an option. Now, what was cool about this whole thing is we were working on this truck, or, you know, he was working on the truck and I was holding the flashlight. I realized it was like the first time that we really had quality time with one another. I've known him for probably 15 years, but I just felt like this night in particular, like we really bonded, you know, we had real cool conversations and whether it was about like music or his marriage or being a dad, just stuff I had never really asked him. And then I just got to see this whole other side of him. He was asking me a lot about my life. Like I had just moved here and I was kind of still trying to get my feet on the ground and stuff like that. Now I'm in the midst of a crisis and, you know, he was just being a friend, you know, asking me like, hey man, like, are you still doing your music or, you know, do you, do you feel like that's something you want to go back to? Like I hadn't done anything musically in probably two years. And I was kind of reluctant to just tell him, like, like I want to, but I just haven't really been feeling very creative lately. And it, it's kind of a bummer when you're a creative person and creativity doesn't come. And people ask you, like, yo, you've been painting, you've been writing, you've been dancing, or, or whatever your thing is. It's, there's a certain amount of shame that comes along with you having to admit, like, I really haven't been creative lately. I feel like I've just been in like survival mode, you know, just trying to just really working on my stability and my livelihood. Music and stuff like that, it was kind of on the back burner. But I did start talking about some other things that I wanted to do. And one of those things was podcasting. I don't remember how serious I was about it at the time, but I do remember bringing it up. 
So after about three or four hours of his hard work and our conversations, we both hopped in the truck and took it for a ride around the block and the frame was fixed. It got me through the rest of the winter and the summer after that and, you know, it was an old truck. I kind of kept running into issues with it and consequently he was the mechanic that I was bringing it to every time and I had to come to terms with the fact that it was time for me to get a reliable vehicle. But now it came time to sell it. And I couldn't in good faith sell it to somebody else knowing what was wrong with it and, and what had been done to it. The only one who knew this truck better than I did was Pete. So he and I agreed on a price and I sold it to him. You know, it could be something that he works on at his house and maybe he could repair it and have his son drive it. And I don't know, maybe he'll weld some wings to the side of it and turn it into an airplane. But either way, it just felt best to have it in his hands. So that following Christmas, it just so happened to work out that Pete drew my name for both categories of the gift exchange. He was going to make me a gift, but he was also going to buy me a gift. So first I opened up the homemade gift, and it was just this envelope, which was not what I was expecting. I was expecting like him to make me like a log cabin or something like that, but I opened up the envelope, and it was this makeshift boarding pass. And he's like, that's good for one free ride up in a plane with me. So then it was time to open up the purchase gift. And it was all this podcasting equipment. The microphone that I'm talking on right now. So that brings us to today. Here I am in my creative space, wanting to make an episode about creativity, and I have no idea what I'm going to say. I knew I wanted to make an episode about creativity, but I didn't really know what exactly I had to say about it, especially me being someone who struggles with it so often. So I'm scanning the room for inspiration, and I look down in the corner, and I see those encyclopedias from my grandpa. So I open them up, and I start reading about muskrats. I don't know, they're pretty non-threatening creatures. They're like one to three pounds and kind of furry and cute looking. Technically, they're not even rats. They're more like beavers than rats. They live near rivers and streams and... They're mostly aquatic, so they can hold their breath up to, like, 15 minutes. Mostly vegetarian. Every now and then, they'll eat, like, a snail or something like that. They build these little tunnels underground so they can still access the water when the top of the lake freezes over. Now, if their population gets out of control, you got a real problem on your hands, but just one muskrat? Pretty harmless. After learning about them, I came to the conclusion that they're not exactly the uh, manipulative car salesmen that I thought they were. They're actually pretty resourceful and pretty communal and (laughs) pretty creative. Creativity isn't this ethereal essence that comes down from the heavens to deliver us beautiful works of art. For the most part, creativity is just showing up and making the decision to create. It's about writing when you don't feel like you have a story to tell. It's about picking up your paintbrush when you don't really see any beauty in the world. And in that sense, creativity is 
less the answer and it's more being willing to ask questions as to what does this all mean and why are we here? More importantly, creativity is less of something that we have and it's more of who we are. It's how we navigate the world. It's how we make sense of things. It's how we process. It's how we connect with one another. Creativity can be used to find common ground with someone that you seemingly disagree with. It can make traffic seem more interesting. It can turn a bad situation into a good one. Creativity can be used to forgive someone who wronged you. Creativity is bold. It's brave. Creativity is freedom. So cut yourself some slack and give yourself some credit for showing up every day and creating the life that you want for yourself. Creativity is your superpower. You're so powerful. And you're so creative. This is Symmetry Between Takes. Thank you for joining us. My name is Elijah. Have a great day. Because you know, most of the time, whenever I try to do anything creative, I always think it's just going to come to me and it's going to be fabulous. Over the time, I've just realized it's usually about 90% perspiration and only about 10% inspiration. So I think the key is that you just got to get started.